and from Front Street Shipyard, a Midcoast, Maine boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740. Support for WERU also comes from Bruce Parley Incorporated, specializing in custom-built staircases and also fine-finished carpentry on yachts, trolleys, etc. since 1998, in Trenton at 479-4269 or brparley at gmail.com. It's 10.01 and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning, good morning. That's our friend Schooner Fair telling us it's the second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock in the morning. Time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor, and on the internet at WERU.org. Boat Talk is a call-in show for people contemplating things naval with your rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. Boat Talk is the uh, dinghy portion of the WERU mothership, and we <laughs> usually start off the show with giving some current events, and then we're going to go to some, two uh, very nice people here who are uh, starting up a marine magnet show. We're going to be talking at Marine Magnet School. <laughs> we're going to be talking about that in a little bit, but first... What's up, Mike? Uh, yeah, Maine Ocean School should be coming to Searsport, Maine, starting up in the fall. Uh, uh, think of it like the uh, math and science school up to limestone, except for salt here. Uh, yeah, think of it as a mountain climbing school yeah. in Colorado or a glacier school in Montana. And <laughs> we've got Eric and Carlin this morning. You guys can say hi and, and uh, chip in any time you want, basically. All right, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad, glad to. Um Alan, we, let's let's go back to last month. You uh, mentioned last month about uh, uh, was it volcanic uh, uh, associated? Uh, was it gas vents that were yes, opening yes. up in the ocean, and they make a bubble, which can be a problem to a ship that well, goes over the top of a gas. Bubble. I don't know if this, you necessarily call it a bubble. Is a whole like a, a lot of semi, you know, it's like a seltzer kind of a lot of little bubbles in the water. But it is there's an underground. A below-surface volcano just north of Grenada, and there's a whole zone around that now that the uh, it's on our side of the world, not even the damn Pacific. Right? Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's a volcanic uh, line of volcanoes down through the uh, oh. Caribbean. More to worry about. I've uh, just started to have to worry about tornadoes. I uh, finally, uh, you know, I've heard a couple on the marine radio down Chesapeake uh, Bay and. Last summer, a lady pulled into uh, St. Michael's next to us, and her uh, boat had been damaged in a tornado the evening before. And, uh, you know, <laughs> being a mariner's tricky enough. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a lottery ticket. Then, wouldn't I? No. Yeah, now this, uh, uh, again, uh, activity is gas, uh, is volcanic-related. Uh, 
the thing that's happening in Hawaii, I'm watching this on the TV, and I'm wondering where was all that red-hot stuff before it came up into the backyard? Oh, yeah. it's There are lots of hot spots like that where the magma is just very, very close to the surface of the earth. Wow. And uh, apparently they had a thermal, uh, geothermal energy uh, facility there, which ironically enough is being threatened by geothermal energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're right on the edge of a new island formation there as opposed to Iceland where it's a little bit more mature. It makes you uh, glad to uh, live in an an old uh, glacial uh, place. Honestly, I I, I spent three summers in college working up on top of Mount Washington. I painted the television buildings and helped build the radio antenna another year and uh, got to be good friends with everybody up there, including the stagecoach drivers and the... Uh, one of the jokes among those people is a lady uh, asking where all the rocks came from. Well, the glacier brought them, ma'am. Where's the glacier now? <laughs> Gone back for another load. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Watch out. But at the speed it's coming, we can get out of the way. I saw a, um, a Mustang be run over by a uh, lava front this morning, and you went, man, that's a pretty uh, slow Mustang. You mean a Mustang car? You had me Yeah, it was a Mustang a car. It was parked, and, and uh, lava come very slowly out, and you go, wow, that's a pretty slow Mustang. Yeah. But anyway, uh, where was all that stuff for it come up into the backyard? Incredible. Oh, yeah. Well, it it <laughs> there's a, something called... S- Substance, sustenance, where the earth pieces of uh, Earth's uh, crust are actually subsiding, going down into the magma, and then they're getting remelted. So as that remelts, it makes pressure and forces some more of the liquid stuff up somewhere else. I can, uh, as a guy that builds stuff and knows about wood movement, I can allow for things cracking, you know, a little earthquake, a little settling and stuff. But the fiery hut thing just kind of really freaks me out a little bit, honestly. Well, good thing you're a sailor then, isn't it? Woof. And uh, also the uh, message, I guess, this morning is this planet's quite alive. We are on Boat Talk uh, trying to maintain an ongoing commentary about the global warming phenomenon uh, because uh, I think it's going to be running this planet in the next uh, coming time. Yeah. And that's uh, on the outside. Now, we're we're looking at the, uh, uh, you know... The, the uh, amount of life in inside the planet. I don't know how to put it. That energy, I said, just blows me away. Yeah, um, It's a very dynamic little ball we're sitting it on. It certainly is, yes. Uh, President Macron, didn't he say just recently to our great leader, um, when asked about the Paris climate change, uh, you know, what's your other plan? There's no planet B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is no planet B. Third rock from the sun is not a bad one. So, yeah. So, we are again commenting uh, on an ongoing basis on on the uh, global warming phenomenon and uh, by listener suggestion, trying to keep it local sometimes, which we'll do this morning. Speaking of listeners, no, I forgot. I was remiss. I didn't get the phone number when I said it was a call in show for anybody who would like to make a comment. It's 1 866. 625-9378 625-9378 or you can um, email right directly into the studio too at boattalk at gmail.com it's just b-o-a-t-t-a-l-k at gmail.com and we do have a phone call already from Captain Yo good morning Yo, what's up? good morning I thought perhaps you guys could uh, entertain a question about boats boats? Uh, <laughs> we'll consider it Yo, we'll consider it, try it Give it a try. 
Mike remarked two months ago that um, water-based bottom paint is the way to go. Now, I tried some last year, and although, yes, you don't have the volatile organic solvents in it to deal with, I found that by the time I'd finished painting the bottom that I still had a snoot full of that copper flavor that I'd always known using red hand all those years. Now, Carlton swears to me there is no cuprous oxide in Interlux Aqua and that it is non-toxic. I, I, haven't, I haven't really looked into that myself, but I'd, I'd be very interested to know what other people's experiences are with water-based bottom paint. In particular, if you clean your brushes, what do you do with the red water? I've always let my thinner settle out, and I've reused my thinner year after year after year, but, but that doesn't work with red water. I guess I've been told by one person you're supposed to just throw your brush away every time, and I know that can get a little expensive. Anyway, um, water-based bottom paint. Does anyone have any thoughts? Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for being Community Radio. Yo, um, I have just been uh, having dinner with some vegans uh, recently, and the substitution thing interests me sometimes. There was a chocolate thing, which I was just amazed by, but it was mostly avocado. Okay, so what I'm saying is if they took the cuprous oxide out, Perhaps they substituted avocado or uh, uh, corn corn uh, uh, syrup or something. I don't know, but something, some other uh, uh, pretend poison, perhaps that uh, is good enough that it tastes like cuprous oxide. Good job. Yeah, they substituted um, something called tributyl tin for a while, which turned out to be just as toxic. But okay, had no copper. <laughs> In some ways. Uh, Oh, what, there's an ad for uh, ant spray on the, the uh, roach spray kills them five times as fast as the other stuff, and sometimes you want the good poison uh, or need. Uh, and again, we don't want to uh, poison the environment around us. It's not necessary, but um, if you don't counteract uh, the things that are alive, if you don't mow your lawn and cut your bushes back and uh, take care of your bottom, it will overcome you. Um, for instance, uh, a few years back, we uh, uh, took a boat from the Eastern Yacht Club in Gloucester, Massachusetts, right behind the breakwater. It was the first day of October. I remember it well because I was in the water for an hour. Uh, we left the Yacht Club, couldn't get the boat going more than two knots. It had sat on the mooring all summer and never been used. And it was not only weeded up and barnacled on the bottom, but the propeller was covered with weeds and barnacles. And that's what I spent most of my hours scraping off. I came up from that boat with both my hands shredded by barnacles. I only had gloves for like the uh, second half of it. I didn't want to get on the boat. I was bleeding so bad. It took me weeks. I, uh, it was, it was uh, pretty serious. But uh, I had to clean the propeller off. Literally, we couldn't go anywhere. Oh, well, good and, thing you're a handyman. And that was with the grassy bottom. So uh, bottom paint does matter. Yeah. Uh, of course, moving the boat and not being in uh, some environments are more prone to uh, uh, growing things than others. Yeah. Well, as you have said many times before, uh, we only play experts on the radio. And I think when we say water-based bottom paints, it's kind of a very generalization. There's lots of different kinds of water-based bottom paints that work different ways. Some of them break down and make um, 
hydrogen peroxide as they break down, which is tiny bubbles. Yeah, tiny bubbles, and also not good for little critters too. Uh, some, makes the yeah. makes them sneeze, right? Some, some other ones uh, use ultraviolet light to break down into something that's uh, you know there's there's lots of different kinds of. Uh, Bottom paints, and there's probably no real good source, I could say, that has compared every single bottom, and partly because different waters have different conditions that require different things, too. So, You got to outsmart the buggers. You're not going to jump under there and, and uh, scrub the thing like you ought to. Uh, That's or, the best way. Or you really. could, yeah, a diver or a scrubber, bottom thing, poles, things. You never know what you got, and I couldn't recommend any of that, but... Um, again, the, it's alive, and you must deal with it. That's the bottom line right there. So, so we're really getting right off track, and right on. Yeah, it's boat talk. <laughs> we we float about, Alan. We I don't think we're on tracks. So, yeah. Did you see though when they crashed the train in Virginia a little while ago? The uh, uh, the uh, engineer called and says we are on the ground. Same as <laughs> kind of like a boat, right? We're on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when the when the train was derailed, the engineer says we are on the ground, which is again supposed to be some sort of a code word. Taking the ground, like I've a, never seen a train off the ground, but a, a boat <laughs> takes the ground too. So yeah, when uh, things don't go well. Speaking of the ground, uh, this uh, global warming thing, times are changing now. Used to be you could have a fish house, and uh, when it wore out, it just kind of uh, fell apart and floated away. But no more. They had one down to Lubeck last winter. One of the old McCurdy's fish houses that is uh, also on the National Register of Historic Places. On a big tide storm, it floated away and went over to Camp Abello and made an international incident. And people who uh, helped salvage it were called thieves by the director of the nonprofit who, who uh, manages the place. And the code enforcement guy down to Lubeck's quite uh, getting a little uh, strict about the dilapidated waterfront buildings. And, of course, they're more likely to float away every day now with uh, increasing uh, amplitude of storms. So that's just a little little uh, local example here. But there's also a paper put out uh, uh, in 2015. It's uh, Maine Climate Policy. And uh, they break down the uh, effects to uh, the, the uh, actual – Solid effects that are going on in the state of Maine, they've uh, knocked them down into a couple points here, and we'll share them with you. The average annual temperature across Maine has warmed by about 3 degrees since 1895. It's been nice lately, too, but if I sweat, I'm working too hard, man, and, and, you know. Well, I I personally can speak that I've noticed the maple syrup season starting earlier and earlier. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, snowfall has declined by about 15% since the same time. Mm. You know, uh, the spread of Lyme disease has been linked to temperatures uh, that make the habitat more suitable for deer ticks and uh, their hosts. Uh, been dealing with some ticks. This, uh, I hate them damn things. Uh, that ain't right at all. They didn't used to be here when we were kids. Two-thirds of Maine's plant and animal species are either highly or moderately vulnerable to climate change. Uh, A significant increase in the extreme precipitation events and uh, more frequent storms has been observed across Maine. A decade of above-average spring and summer precipitation has fostered a uh, white pine needle epidemic disease caused by a pathogenic fungi. 
crops, not really positive in the pine tree state. Um, since 1982, the average sea surface temperature in the Gulf of Maine has increased at about a, uh, a tenth of a degree or less per year, but that's slightly faster than the increase experienced by the global ocean. Uh, we are warming faster than 99% of the rest of the world's ocean here in the Gulf of Maine. It is a very unique body of water. Uh, we have more flood uh, zones along the Maine coast now, resulting in increased costs for flood insurance. And if insurance companies get upset, uh-oh, stand back. The report uh, states that human uh, influence on Global climate change is emerging as the defining environmental, economic, and social issue of the 21st century. That's why we talk about it on Boat Talk. Maine citizens agree, and according to an article in the Portland Press-Herald, 67% of Mainers agree that the effects of global warming are real and uh, are uh, human-related and deeply concerned about its effects in Maine. The other people are going to be increasingly ugly as, uh, you know, the thing comes down and, and has to shake out. And as we say, the uh, one of the um, ways that it's, it's alleged to, to go is the armed lifeboat paradigm, where people can board to, get in an armed lifeboat, and heck with all you other people suffering. Uh, try to get in, and, and uh, best of luck with the armed lifeboat. It's hard enough being a lifeboat to start with. That's another point we make around boat talk. So how's that for the... Uh, the rant today. We took up yeah a third of the show. Yep. <laughs> and again, uh, running the next century or two is the whole idea and, and can't be ignored. The planet is mostly water. There's more coming. And it's good to be boat people and have a school about the ocean. So let's welcome this morning our guest. Our guest, yes. Oh, uh, it's Eric Jurgensen and Carla Skokie who are... Uh, instigators of the Maine Ocean School, and I'm going to just let them go right over to the beginning and say, uh, just explain, let's start out with what is a magnet school and what this particular magnet school is going to draw. Well, thanks first for having us here. Um, we're really excited about this initiative and the opportunity to uh, to share the school with, with the, uh, the boating community. So um, first off, a magnet school is a public school that has a uh, little different uh, admissions policy or procedure in the fact that it does have an admissions policy opposed to a lottery as a charter school would. So, And we're right in the throes right now of um, uh, going through those admissions um, packages and working towards getting some kids so into our school. similar to getting selected to college then? Yeah, similar. And the number one selection um, criteria is that they have a an interest and an aptitude around the ocean. And maybe we can... Also add that magnet schools are really unique in that there's a theme to our curriculum. So um, instead of teaching subjects in sort of these categories like math is over here and science is over here and English is over here, we have a theme that can tie all of those things together. And we have some freedom in flexibility in our curriculum and how we teach math and science and English. And the cool thing about Maine Ocean School is our theme is the ocean. So as you guys were talking and giving current events, it's clear that you and your listeners realize that when we're talking about the ocean, there are lots of different disciplines at play. And the understanding 
of all of those things is really important. And so that's what we're aiming to do at the high school level with these students who will be joining Maine Ocean School in the fall. From a positive point of view, instead of in English having to suffer through Wuthering Heights, you get to read Moby Dick, right? Yes, exactly. That has come up in many meetings. Yeah, (laughs) English, maritime history. So um, even uh, an example I I give to people who have trouble understanding how math can be involved, I think I I say navigation, piloting, right? Math is so huge. Geometry is such a big part of all of that. Could be some future Um, naval architects right there. Exactly. So um, it's it's really exciting way to think about education, and we're going to be doing it right here in Searsport. Uh, still speaking of math, I noticed that languages were uh, mentioned there for uh, a thing that's going to be international. Uh, the ocean is obviously international, but math is is not only the international language, it's beyond that. I think it's the, you know, it's the language of everything. Mm-hmm. It's the exactly. universal language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's back right up. Let's, uh, uh, let's start with you, Carla. Uh, how'd you get here? What's your... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we like to ask on Boat Talk, what, uh, you're a boat person. Yeah. And uh, so what happened to you when you were young? You ended up to be a boat person uh, on the board of this magnet school. Yeah. So I think probably like all of us sitting here and most of your listeners, being on boats, being by the water, it was just part of my identity growing up. That's what I did for the fun. The family have boats? Yep. My grandfather is a big sailor. Uh, my father, we just... We're always drawn to the ocean. I grew up around different kinds of boats, motorboats, sailboats. Um, and then I was also had an early interest in the creatures in the ocean and just wondering what's going on out there. Um, so that was part of my identity. Um, and as, you know, as I grew up, I went to college for marine science. I went to the University of Rhode Island, um, studied marine biology there. Um, and after graduation, I got into uh, scientific research for a little bit. I worked for... NOAA Marine Fisheries on Sandy Hook in New Jersey. And my job was um, aging fish. So there, are, <laughs> some fish have bones, and you can age them by counting the rings on their ear bones. And just like you would age a tree, you'd count the rings. And so I was doing that day in and day out, and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> this, I'm under the microscope all day. I had to take breaks so my eyes wouldn't like lose their focus. And so I was like, how can I match my identity with loving marine science and the ocean and, and do something that I love? So I got into education and I taught at Sea Education Association for a number of years. Um, and that's the sea semester program. Some of your listeners might know the ship, um, the Corrath Kramer, which was at Front Street Shipyard this past summer um, in Belfast for a little while. So I worked on that boat and their other ship, um, the sailing school vessel, Robert C. Siemens. And I taught oceanography, maritime history, um, and navigation and sailing. And um, that started my love of education. And uh, then I did that for a number of years. I fell in love, wanted to come shoreside and start my land life. And um, I've been in education ever since. I worked at Maine Maritime Academy for a little while in the admissions department. And now I'm very happily employed um, by the University of Maine Cooperative Extension here in Hancock County in the Ellsworth office. And I run the 4-H Youth Development Program. So it's a hands-on program for kids. Nice. I mm-hmm. bet you can sneak a little uh, boaty stuff into that, too. Oh, yeah. Four sure H- am. Yeah. 4-H kids <laughs> wouldn't even know uh, what hit them. They yep. Exactly. thought they were getting into cows and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Vegetables, right? Yep. And, yeah. and aquaculture is a big part of our food system now, too. So that's a lot of what I do. Well, good for you, Carla. And again, uh, 
sort of reminds me of a, a happy place when you were young, and, and yeah, let's incorporate that into the real world. Yeah, yeah, and I bring up that piece of identity because for me that's a really big, important part of Maine Ocean School is that, and, and research shows that when kids can identify with their learning environment, when they can see themselves learning in a context that matches their identity, they're more engaged and can be more successful. And that's really what Maine Ocean School is about. We want those kids who identify with the ocean who can come here and learn anything and everything, but because they are engaged, it's a very supportive environment for them. Cool. Eric uh, Jorgensen, first time I met you, you was uh, uh, on the boat. And I was. Captain, weren't you? I think I was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now also a, an assistant professor at the uh, Maine Maritime Academy. That's true. I now get to uh, be a guest aboard the boat, and when we go sailing, I still get but, to go sailing yeah, without all go sailing. Oh, without all the headaches yeah. too, man. Sometimes being captain's not the best gig, you know. <laughs> exactly. So it's nice to watch how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And how did you get involved in this uh, magnet school, the Maine Ocean School? Well, I did have some um, some opportunities as a kid to be on the water, but I grew up in the middle of Minnesota. So I know very well what it means to uh, to long for the ocean, as all water does. So it didn't take me too long to uh, to head over to the to the right coast here. Um, <laughs> I grew up sailing on small boats on lakes, and I had a really good guidance counselor that asked me if I could do anything. What would I do? Like, oh, I just sail around, and. Uh, he said, well, there's this school in Maine called Maine Maritime Academy. Oh, aren't you lucky? Yeah, and yeah. I am, and it really has uh, has changed what I've done. So um, so I spent a lot of time at Maine Maritime working in their sailing departments after I graduated. I was their sailing master for about nine years and then moved over to the captain of the boat and, and now in the marine transportation department. And um, this fits so naturally into that um, desire to be with the students in education. Um, we have an issue going on in Maine where, and in and the United States and probably the world where we have um, a lot of value put into higher education and there is a lot of value in that, but there's also a lot of value in hands-on skills and being able to find a job and be, um, be able to put food on the family and to, to have an uh, enjoyable and uh, productive career. And I think uh, the Maine Ocean School is going to be a really vital link in combining um, these efforts, both in the higher education aspects and in the post-secondary opportunities um, based around the water. So we're very excited about this opportunity. Let's talk about Bay Maritime uh, Academy for a minute because uh, we're talking about a magnet high school here, and some of those kids may end up at Bay Maritime Academy. Before, uh, before we go to that, let's, let's throw out the number in case some people listening have some mm-hmm. questions for these folks, too. The number, again, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight or boattalk at gmail.com I'm uh, down in Castine a bit and uh, get to uh, mingle with the middies. Uh, they all mostly smiling and it seems like a happy uh, uh, place that's working quite well and uh, Maine Maritime again is uh, not hurting for students uh, the marine industry is is a uh, excellent pain uh, industry to be in and, and it's um, a trade school is that fair to say? I think it's a, a melding. We like to consider it a hands-on, minds-on environment. So we try to make sure that um, they graduate with a college diploma and have a wrench or a rag in their pocket as well. Yeah. And and when back in the day my uncle went there, they uh, turned out first engineers as he is. And on the other hand, now uh, there are different uh, student tracks there as well. 
Yep, most definitely. And I think you'll see in the in the main ocean school that we have mirrored some of those tracks, not necessarily uh, in a copying type sense, but in the fact that that's really what the industry needs. So uh, both um, of the schools have tracks in marine transportation, engineering, management, and marine science in no particular order. <laughs> My uh, nowadays one of the uh, big features of the American educational system uh, you can't get by without talking about is the fact that it's ferociously expensive and kid can graduate from college uh, with debt I can't even uh, think to put a number on. I was twelve thousand dollars in debt in 1978 when I graduated from from college, and I thought that was the end of the world. My uncle went to Maine Maritime Academy, started buying real estate when he wasn't sailing, and we called him Uncle Moneybags, you know. <laughs> um, again, a, a viable career opportunity uh, path, yeah, uh, uh, working on the ocean. Now, let's get back to the Maine uh, Magnet uh, School there. Let's talk about the one up in uh, Limestone for a minute, the uh, School of Math and Science. It's been quite successful. They were handed an Air Force base. <laughs> yeah. Please use these buildings. And the, Oh, my. I mean... <laughs> And if anyone has any line, you know, buildings and facilities <laughs> and vessels lying around, we're happy to take them yeah. as well. Right. Yeah. However, <laughs> uh, runway is optional, but, yeah. you know, we don't need to land any B-52s. We could get by on a short runway as well if we had to. But still, uh, like I say, that's phenomenal. And they've done quite well. I know uh, people that have gone up there, and and the place is uh, fully subscribed. It's uh, yeah. uh, grown over the years. Yeah, and we are really fortunate in that there is another magnet school in Maine, and MSSM is the only other magnet school in Maine, and we've had incredible support from their staff and their board in helping us get started because it's not easy to just start a school, let alone a <laughs> magnet school where there's only one other in the state. Um, so we're really fortunate to have their whole breadth of 25-plus years of experience of being around to help us get started. That's one of our Boat Talk principles. It's not necessary to reinvent the wheel. Other exactly. people are doing that work. You can copy them. Yep, exactly. You know? And we are unique in that we're in Maine and that our theme is unique as well. Um, there's a lot of math and science magnet schools around the country. There's a lot of arts and humanities. But we're kind of we're putting that main twist on our theme <laughs> in a really cool way, I think. But um, there are some unique challenges associated with that too figuring out how that's all going to work are there any other marine magnet schools in the country there are none that we are aware of there are other marine focused schools that are not classified as magnet schools Mm. um some people might be familiar with the new york harbor school in new york city there's the sound school in connecticut um those are some of our local those are are probably not public schools are they exactly those are and they're not magnet schools so as mike was saying the uh the cost is sometimes prohibitive so this being a public school is is uh pretty interesting i'm sure you're going to have to have a lot of borders um how does that cost work in? So, um, and that's a really good point I want to make to listeners. We are a public school. We're a state school. So tuition, quote unquote, is free for Maine mm-hmm. students. Um, we, as a magnet school and a state school, we do receive some state funding. So just like a local school district would receive some funding from the state, and uh, it's about 50% or so from the state, and then 50% they make up of their budget from local taxpayers. We don't have that local taxpayer because we're a state school. We 
draw students from all around the state. And so what we have instead is a 501c3 um, called the Maine Ocean School Foundation. Um, and they are, are sort of the fundraising arm of the school to make up for the other 50% or so of that budget that would typically come from taxpayer money. The uh, Again, uh, uh, you're talking about uh, a couple of dozen students to start off with? Right now, as a board of trustees, we have voted to limit the maximum to 30 students for the first year in grades 10 and 11. Is that going to be this fall? That'll be this fall, um, opening up in, in Searsport. And uh, the goal and the vision is to be much larger than that, probably in the in the neighborhood of 100 plus within, a, within several years. Cool. Now, um, you are now hiring a, um, a chief administrator and an assistant, I guess. Going to need a couple of teachers. Every boat needs a captain, right? <laughs> yeah, and crew. We got it. Yeah, and infrastructure. Yeah. So uh, not much to uh, yeah, not much to work on at all. But you're you're actively you you people are both on the board, and uh, but right now you're actively trying to hire these other people. It's a very active board right now. We uh, um, we have great volunteers ranging from all different aspects of the school's focuses, and uh, the reality is we couldn't do it without without the public right now. We've spent a lot of our energy and time reaching out to partners in the community, and so. Um, you know, we're we're hoping that this is being projected into boat shops and into uh, marine labs and all over the state to realize that we're here. We understand the challenges around um, getting the right people into these entry level positions, and we're dedicated to helping with that. If you'd like to talk to these people about the Maine Ocean School this morning, give us a call on Boat Talk and uh, join the discussion, please. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight or boattalk at gmail.com that would be alan i tried to open the computer a couple boat talks ago and try to find something while i was oh good lord please no yeah so anyway uh that's the coming wave and speaking of computers we we've dropped our facebook page used to be a boat talk facebook page but doing that mostly i guess out of protest but we do have the boat talk <laughs> website boat talk dot o-r-g and we're making posts there at least mike promises to uh, again, uh, the computer and I have bonded in a strange way. I realize <laughs> it is a valuable instrument, but when it doesn't do what I hope it does, it doesn't make me want to figure out how to make how to how to. Do, it makes me want to run away from the damn thing. <laughs> but honest to God, this uh, fellow I uh, captained for for 14 years, he uh, was out of Santa Fe and flew back and forth to some sound in his Learjet. And uh, one of his best friends, running one of the early uh, computer navigating companies. And used to send me the chief engineer and and the uh, owner of the company's daughter, and I would sail them around while they worked on the gear, and then he would email he would um, um, FedEx me the uh, first laptops that came out. I didn't know how to open the thing. <laughs> I'd bring like my my friend Tom from Raw Faith, a young kid, and Tom open this and make it work. And where are we? I, oh, what'd you do? And again, what a great age to be a, a navigator, uh, be a seaman when you. You know, it really and truly is. We do have a phone call, so let's go to Monhegan, another boat person. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yeah, hi. Um, I think that uh, your school is going to be a tremendous success. I remember uh, I went to University of Rhode Island to the fisheries program in the, uh, in the late 70s when uh, 
the government did a survey of the groundfish fleet and found out the average fisherman was about 56 years old. So money got pumped into a curriculum where uh, a young person could go for an associate's degree and come out and be some use on a boat. You could put a net together, you could splice wire, you could could uh, troubleshoot an engine room. And our graying of the fleet since is uh, it's a tough tough find for these guys to find people to go, and it's mostly foreign labor. Mm-hmm. And something like this is going to be a springboard for uh, for entrance into the commercial fishing industry, which is at this time is very very difficult for somebody young to get into. You're right. When I, when I was a kid, you could buy a boat and a handful of gill nets and go try it. Now you got to have permits and quota and all the other right. goes with it, you know? So when you were in high school, did you wish that there was some sort of a school where you could actually go to school and get out in the water at the same time? Well, the URI existed, and I knew I was bound there once I, I got out of school and fished for a few years. Put some money together, and it was a cheap program, so you could... I went to pay the bursar with a handful of cash I made on a dragger trip, and he thought I was a drug addict, you know. <laughs> but, uh, there are it those. It was a wonderful program, and it put their people in, in this industry from from guys on deck to uh, management to government that have been through that program and really learned the, the basics of how the deck of a fishing boat operates. Great. So, Appreciate your call. You're right. This is yeah, going to be well, a... I, I gotta, I got a young kid. He's nine years old. And I'm going to try to get him up there. I would, I would like him to go to that school. I think you're doing a wonderful job. And uh, SEA is my old alma mater too. I have three and a half years of sea time as the bosun and a second mate on the westward. So excellent, I am great, very pleased. Small with the whole world, but you know, yeah. Well, keep keep your ears open. Um, we're for your nine year old in the next couple of years. We do have summer programs that we are fleshing out we have one starting here the the last week of july first of august for high school kids but um we uh, will have opportunities for you for your child soon yeah well, thank you very much thank, thank, you. thank you so thank much you. for calling yeah good morning out to monhegan we have another call so let's go to um bill in dedham good morning bill hey good morning you hear me yes we hear you're fine all right yeah i got a question for you uh i'm a 95 graduate from maine maritime been a captain on hopper dredges for many 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 years and uh i get cadets out of mean maritime so i end up having to hire unlicensed kids from tongue point as job corps program over on the west coast and i've talked to the guys at maine several times and they didn't really seem to have any interest in developing a qmed or ab program and when i saw that school you know that was developing last year there was some talk about it are you going to be able to get kids coming out of there with an AB ticket or a QMED ticket, because that's there's a real need for that in in the industry right now. Explain your terms. AB is able-bodied, and the other yeah, one able-bodied seamen are qualified men in the engine department. Yeah. The mm-hmm. entry-level positions. Yeah, we don't. We no longer the U.S. Merchant Fleet no longer hires OS wipers. You know, mm-hmm. really, no people with no experience to get a job in any of my my company's vessels. You got to at least have an AB or QMED, and that requires some some training to get that. You just hit it right on the head there. We're really focusing on the entry-level opportunities for these kids, both deck, engine, and in the uh, the, merit, the marine science side as well. So we're working with uh, several licensing um, organizations and schools that will help us kind of bridge those gaps that um, – that we might have still in our curriculum. But that's definitely the vision. You know, that stuff is all above and beyond our high school education, so we have to make sure that we are still crossing all those T's and dotting those I's. But we are definitely going down those path of those entry-level positions. And I would add, too, um, 
the vision of the school is definitely to engage youth, high school youth in the workforce. And so like both of these callers have, have pointed out, this is a huge piece that not a lot of schools do. Um, and so we're working with um, a group of people. We've held these meetings called leadership forums where they're representatives from different industries and organizations um, to bring together to help us figure out what do kids need when they graduate? What would be helpful to you for a kid graduating from high school to have? Um, and um, certainly ABs and QMEDs, those sort of certifications have come up. Um, and I would say to Bill, if he's interested at all in helping us um, craft that vision or know somebody who is, um, we are a completely volunteer board. And if he wants or anyone who's listening wants to attend some of those meetings and be in on that conversation, we're always looking for people because this is really a community built program and we want to hear from the community about what they're looking for in high school graduates so you have a huge pool in this area of guys like me that have shipped out both deck and engine you know that have done it for many many years you've got i know a ton of chief engineers and and masters you know in the area so oh great and i'm guessing that some of them who are already working with us know you and you know them i'm sure (laughs) but we'd love to have more of you on board i was going to tell you you check out the uh the mariner for this last um the Maine Maritime Alumni Magazine just right. came out about a week ago, and we were uh, definitely focused in there. There's a lot of Maine Maritime alumni that are um, on the board and in the periphery of the organization. So, so we this show goes around the world. Um, so there's some people who are listening who probably aren't able to make it to board meetings, but who would like to communicate with you probably by email. So is that that possible, and how do they do that? Yes. So MainOceanSchool at gmail.com is our email address. They can also visit our website, MainOceanSchool.org, and we have a form that people can fill out there. And I'm also going to pitch for Facebook and Instagram. We have a huge following Mm -hmm. on social media and are also really good ways to get in touch with us and to stay updated. Really, honestly, that's the most up-to-date. To follow us on Facebook and Instagram is how you get these literally instant updates where, you know, if, uh, we do send out email newsletters, but it takes longer to craft those letters than it does just to do a Facebook post. So that's the best way to stay in touch or visit our website, of course. Yeah. And Main Ocean School is the Facebook page, too. Yep, yes. Main Ocean School is the Facebook page, the Instagram handle, and it's, again, MainOceanSchool.org. Captain Bill, still there up in Dedham? Yes, sir. I was just going to say thank you very much for taking my call and good luck, and hopefully I'll be in contact with you guys. Hold thank on, you. hold on a second, Bill. They made a great point of uh, soliciting your volunteer energy because it's like <laughs> it's like this community radio station. It really matters who shows up right. with right. what ideas and energy. It really matters. Um, Bill, you said you were a '95 uh, Maine Maritime Academy graduate. You ever got regret you didn't go to a school of economics or something instead? Oh no, I love my job. It's I, I, I couldn't beat it. And I often have people have got two kids in high school, and uh, people have always said, well, you're not home. But when I am home, I'm home 100%. Mm-hmm. So, no, no, it, it's it's the best thing I ever did. Uh, I got out of the Navy, got married, and then just decided to go back to school as an older student. And, uh, no, I've had an outstanding career, and uh, I couldn't. And I, like I said, the, the unlicensed as well, I've got the guys on my boat start out making like 75 grand a year as an AB. I mean, it's a great, it's a great opportunity. It really is. I like to say even on a bad day, it's a nice office, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Bill, you mentioned dredging. Yep, it's a big floating dump truck. So uh, right now we're at the Mississippi River. We do a lot of work. Actually, you said Sandy Hook earlier. We did a ton of work after uh, the storm, Sandy, rebuilding the beaches in Jersey. We'll mm-hmm. dig sand offshore and pump it up on the beach. Wow. We maintain a nine-foot channel in the Mississippi, correct? Uh, 
well, right now it's 49 foot feet, 49 feet uh, depth. Ooh. And uh, but this this spring it's getting it's filling in amazingly fast. I've not seen this uh, in in my experience working down there. This the last two years have been been really really heavy uh, infill. A lot of a lot like of high five, water five lately. Dredges. Yeah. We've got five dredges literally stacked right up, working you know one right right next to the other, uh, trying to keep it clear. And then only a lot of times only half the channel's clear. How do you guys uh, you read the bottom by sonar? You get yeah, we have we have a little fifty foot uh, crew boat. That'll run surveys and in the in the river, Mississippi River, the Corps does constant surveying. Yeah. So the Corps of Engineers is doing their surveying and they load it onto our so we have a dredge guidance system that, that shows us both a profile view and a bird's eye view of the bottom and the vessel and the drag is in relation to that. Yeah, because Fred Flintstone, I mean, if you blindfolded him uh, trying to work the quarry is kinda hard, you know what I'm <laughs> right, saying? Right. <laughs> yeah, so. no, it's all high tech now. In fact, that's my weakest point is growing up in the analog world. Uh Everything everything is digital now, so that's a we've got we've got good shore support to keep that stuff up and running. Very keep cool, Captain. Keep keep digging it. Down. Keep digging it. Thank you for your call, Bill. Appreciate right. it. Hey, thank you. We'll see you soon, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and again, we're talking about the main uh ocean magnet school this morning. I was uh talking to the folks earlier about branding and starting with Maine and Ocean. That's a pretty damn good start. <laughs> uh being the fact that kids uh, need education, you got a built-in, uh, uh, you know, uh, audience there that's uh, a market uh, audience, and, and uh, off you go. Now, the state reimbursement doesn't cover the whole price of a student, though. No. No, it does not. No. So that's where the foundation comes in, and that's where our partners, um, both out of industry and, and private donors, are going to be key in making this happen. We have some options as we move ahead legislatively to kind of even that out, but right now we're really focused on just getting the right kids into that school and giving them the best opportunity we can, and we know that um, we will meet the needs that are out there. And I'll add on the funding piece, too, that the the – Funding that we receive from the state pays for all the same things that a typical public school would be paid for. So there are things that the Maine Ocean School are going to do that wouldn't be covered by state funding. For example, boats. That's not something that is typically covered by state educational funds. So we have this also other unique aspect of our budget that is all this pile of things mm-hmm. that the state you know, doesn't pay for. Uh, things that they do pay for are like classroom space, school lunch, um, teacher salaries. Do you take like physical do- donations of uh, boats and other marine items too? And we, yes, we do, and that's through the Maine Ocean School Foundation. Again, mm-hmm. they're the five hundred one c three. It's it's a little confusing, but we do have two boards operating here. We have one public school board, uh, which is limited in what we can and can't receive for funds and give you know tax deductible. Um, Things and then there's the 501c3, which is a full nonprofit that supports the Maine Ocean School. So all of those donations of in-kind gifts, um, financial gifts, anything like that, would go through the Maine Ocean School Foundation. And all of that information is on our website as well, MainOceanSchool.org. Oceanography is a, uh, I mean, there's a subject right there. Mm-hmm. I got to take a little bit of it in college. Uh, Peter Neal on the World Ocean Radio uh, report there was just mentioning they have now drone vessels. Uh, there was a fellow a few years ago here that released uh, uh, little sailing drones that had transponders in and you could track them around the world. Well, now we can put instruments on little drones and we can track them anywhere around the world, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Uh, information being uh, critical for 
developing uh, theorems and, and proving theses, you know, and making science go around. So um, what a great time to, uh, again, uh, be, be uh, run a school next to the water. Uh, being that there's more water all the time. <laughs> and the technology piece is really big. Actually, our, our, the name of the school in the state legislature is the Maine School for Marine Science, Technology, Transportation, and Engineering. Um, we've chosen to pull technology out of our, our, our tagline because we want technology to be incorporated within all of the disciplines. So we don't see that as a separate track. We see it in integrated into all of the tracks for that very reason. And it's funny you bring that up because um, last week I went to um, Dr. Sylvia Earle's uh, lecture up at UMaine. She's a famous oceanographer. She was right. the first woman to dive in a submarine. Um, and she is in her 80s. And she her, her lecture was about the future of oceanography. And she said exactly that, how amazing it is, the technology we have now. She's more hopeful than ever before because we can get to places, we can do things that she couldn't even have dreamed of in the 50s when she was diving. And, and so that piece is a huge, huge part when you're talking about educating youth and is a big part of our, our school as well. So... And understand, again, uh, hopefully in real time, what's going down around us on this planet. Uh, yeah, and, which is and becoming all more of and more the tools critical. we have to do yeah. that is incredible. It takes just some special technicians to be able to operate a ROV or slocum gliders or all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff that really has nothing to do with being able to be an able-bodied seaman. Right, exactly. So there's this whole other field of the workforce that um, you don't necessarily need a college degree for maybe um, so and that's part of the vision of the school too is that we'll be graduating kids who might go directly into the workforce to do a technician job like that or to work as an AB um, or we will be graduating students who might go on to college to get their master's or PhD so and again the uh, track is not to make every kid into a sailor because uh, of course sailors uh, traditionally were the lower class of society and do a job that others, uh, frankly, uh, shouldn't be doing or maybe don't want to. And, uh, but, again, a bit of a joke, a great career path, but uh, so many others as well. Yeah, you definitely. Know. We really focus on, on the fact that there's four legs to the school. Yeah, on and, and off the water, yeah. 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 And so, um, you know, as we're moving ahead on this, it doesn't take very much to realize that the amount of resources are going to be very um, significant to make this successful. And that's where our partnerships really come in. The first two years of our curriculum really focus on teaching um, the entry-level components and our second two um, or our senior year pardon me is uh, more heavily into the directed study and those workforce experiences so we're working really hard on creating those partnerships so in the first year in the first year and two the um, those partners are watching giving us feedback and then we're envisioning them coming right into their right into their um, labs right into their actual workspaces and helping us so those kids can go down those specific paths that they're interested in sounds like fun to me yeah me too <laughs> I've been hanging out with some nice kids lately, and, and the thing that strikes me about them is um, it's kind of like the body heals itself. Kids learn whether you are, are uh, teaching them or not, okay? And you, know, you don't really know what might stick to them either. Yep. The chance to teach a kid something vital and valuable that really sticks to them, and cha- I mean, wow, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of responsibility. And as we say, the school comes with um, a... Uh, the possibilities are open to uh, the energy and and imagination of people that want to get involved, but we wouldn't want to underdo something called the Maine Ocean School, 
you know, mm-hmm. the yeah. possibilities being so huge. So when the math and science school was developed, their curriculum, their their legislation specifically addresses high achieving students. And um, as you kind of alluded to earlier, we're we're the the stepchild, the uh, the second version of this. So it was um, pretty uh, pretty obvious that the legislation would be reused and scrubbed of of the uh, math and science aspects. Um, but it was pointed out to me when we were testifying that the uh, maybe you should readdress this high achieving aspect. You know, it might not be applicable and uh, i think all of us on the board realize that high achieving is exactly what these kids are we may not be looking for only the highest gpa but there's different kinds of aptitudes we're we're redefining that high achieving definition uh contact information one more time yeah carla's got it sure yeah (laughs) Yeah. um (laughs) we can be reached at mainoceanschool at gmail.com by email or you can visit our website mainoceanschool.org and of course follow us on facebook and instagram at mainoceanschool nice we're as i feared rapidly running out of time and uh i have some about those (laughs) (laughs) i have a admission passage to the penobscot marine museum and i want to quickly say that uh our friend giffy full i'm afraid he didn't call in. I was hoping he would. He has set up a, a, a scholarship for young students who are interested in marine things at the, the Monopsat Marine Museum in the uh, in memory of Annie Bray, uh, Maynard Bray's wife, who yes, died just Ma- recently. Yeah. He started the Annie Bray Fund at the Penobscot Marine Museum. So if you're uh, interested in that, check out the Penobscot Marine Museum website, the Annie Bray Fund. And the Penobscot Marine Museum has given us uh, admission passes. And in the last five minutes of boat talk, if you give us a call at, um, is it better to call 469-0500? No, call the office number, 469-6600. We have four passes to give away, good until October 19th, free passes to the Penobscot Marine Museum, 469-6600. And when the last five minutes left, you are also associated with the Penobscot Marine Museum. The Penobscot Museum is a very important uh, partner for us. We're in negotiations right now with um, how our relationship will look like to the outside world, but right now we're in uh, in talks about actually being based out of the Penobscot Marine Museum. That's a good place to work out. It of. sounds it's like a yeah. great place for us. So. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good buildings there. Mm-hmm. So I got time to put in one little quick thing too about. Uh, um, marine school too and, and your marine i hope that you have at least an artist in residence you know there's it oftentimes people get a little too technically oriented and i happen to see online that, that the uh, new york maritime academy has just been awarded uh, funds to have a new ship and i saw the drawings <laughs> for the new ship and boy is it ugly <laughs> <laughs> It is just a box on a hull. You know, there's no no consideration for any sort of aesthetics on it at all. It, it's it's in want of graffiti. I say, life's too short for ugly boats. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe that there was nowhere to actually be outside aboard the vessel. It was pretty much enclosed. Have you seen a picture of that? I've boat? seen a picture of it. Yeah, so. it, you got to probably yeah. agree. That'll keep the sailors safe, though. You, you know, that's true. Ocean's the danger. Um, and nowadays, uh, go stand under a modern lobster boat. Okay, it's pretty much a flat bottom barge that is fared into a keel and a bow when you get right down to it they're they're pretty flat underneath nowadays and uh, uh so anyway uh, 
Paul just three. rang again, and uh, I guess we yep, gave away no. the tickets. No, we only have two minutes left. So okay. uh, yeah, I think the people are looking for the tickets by calling 469-6600. One quick thing to think about, though, it happened a few months ago in Indonesia. A, uh, a I forget what kind of boat it was. I mean, let's say it's a tanker. Was uh, had engine trouble and was in um, in uh, threat of going aground. So they dropped their anchor to try to save themselves from crashing onto the shore. But unfortunately, they dropped their anchor in a no anchor zone and ended up hooking onto a pipeline and causing the pipeline to break. So here's the dilemma: Do you? Let your ship go aground and cause a disaster there, or do you drop an anchor in a no-anchor zone and risk? Oh, hope for the best. Drop the hook. Hope for the best. You got to. Yeah, that's something for uh, future kids from the uh, main ocean school to think about. (laughs) Keep in the deep water. Boats got to stay off the ground, yes. Thanks for Amy Brown down in the engine room for Boat Talk. Stay tuned for Rich Hillsinger coming back from On the Wing. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Gamble & Hunter Sailmakers.